All right, ready to rock. I got episode seven of the Sell That Sass podcast. My name is Will Padilla. I'm here with a good friend of mine, Javier Carrillo. Um, Javier and I met at WeWork. So I talk about WeWork a lot on the podcast and how it's a great, just a great opportunity for people, especially you know remote tech sales workers to get a membership, meet other people in software sales, meet other sales professionals and build a friendship. So Javier, Javier and I have known each other for like almost a year and a half now. Year and a half. Year and a half. We're both based in Scottsdale. So just like excited to tell you guys a little bit about his and I's stories of how we met, what he's up to in software sales, what the Scottsdale market specifically is up to for tech talent. So Javier, it's good to have you here. I'll pass it over to you, bro. Yeah, I appreciate it. First and foremost, I think, you know, it's exciting to be on the podcast. Um, I've been a huge fan of yours for quite some time now. Um, you know, and I can give everybody some context on just how we met. I mean, it was, uh, I feel like we as Wolf of Wall Street right next, <laughs> right next to you through uh, Clary Last. But um, yeah, like I said, huge fan of you. I'm super excited to be on here. Um, you know, I think this is going to grow into something super special. Um, like honored to be on here as early, you know, as, as we are, I think what episode four or seven, seven, seven. So, uh, yeah, excited to drop some content or, you know, and, and knowledge. And I think, you know, out of curiosity, see what's going on in your world too, you know, in this BDR space, senior commercial AE space, the following this network that you guys are building, seeing all kinds of stuff on LinkedIn, you know, from these gong reps and, you know, grin reps. And there's these personal brands that are starting to like come to the surface. And I, I as a sales leader, somebody who's I typically followed like a certain like route in my career, I'm like, oh, holy crap, I need to, uh, I need to take this a little bit more serious, you know? So we'll talk about some stuff, but hey, you know, my name's, you know, Javier for everybody. Um, you know, some 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 might know the name on LinkedIn, but uh, I, I run commercial sales for a pretty cool startup called Red Panda. Um, you know, I really uh, cut my teeth out of college at a company called Samsara, um, super successful company. Um, IPO'd a couple of years ago. Um, was fortunate to um, have a great opportunity to bounce to a company called Verkata. Um, Pre-IPO private company right now, doing really well in the camera IoT space. Um, you know, I'm happy to, there's so many stories that I can share, um, and I, I'm ready for that. And, um, you know, I left, uh, Verkata to, uh, co-found a company called Glenn Coco. Um, and again, they're based out of New York. I think a lot of your audience is, uh, going to be pretty familiar with Glenn Coco and, yeah. you know, I've heard of the name and I'm excited to drop a little bit about, you know, share a little bit about the value out of that company. Um, but hey, you know, now, now I'm back in the game, you know, running, running a corporate sales, uh, sales team, you know? Yeah, so. uh, that's great. I, it's, it's just so funny how kind of you're, you're, you are who you surround yourself with. And so every, uh, Javier was an inside sales director at Verkata at the WeWork in, in Tempe. And man, I was, I'd walk by and these guys were, it was like Wolf of Wall Street, bro. You had the gong, hitting the gongs, confetti. Hitting gongs, confetti. <laughs> Scottsdale changed my life. Scottsdale changed my life. If Honestly, if something doesn't come out on sparklers, I'm a little mad. Yeah. You know? And so we, uh, dude, there was one, I 
I think there was one time, you know, for the first time I went to a, a bar called Bottle Blonde. Everybody probably yeah. knows Bottle Blonde. And, um, you know, somebody ordered this huge bottle and these sparklers go off. And I said, man, I think those sparklers should go off when we close a deal. And so, you know, I went to go buy those same sparkler things and, you know, let those things on fire. So um, we had a good thing going. Um, I got so many good things to say about Verkata too. I think, man, if you're in, uh, if you're in Scottsdale, Phoenix, I, I think that's the place to be. I really do. Um, you know, I think we're a little early here at Red Panda, you know, for the yeah. one-offs where I think our head count, you know, I'm bringing on one, two. At some point in time, you know, I think, we're going to build the same thing that, you know, we were building out, you know, at, at Verkata when I was there. They're in great hands. I haven't met the sales leader who's currently there right now, but, you know, looking forward to it at some point in time. But, uh, yeah, I definitely, you know, want to shoot that Verkata plug because I think of that's course. a great place to be still. A lot of that culture has remained intact. I know pretty much everybody on the sales force still. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I remember just for some context, I guess I'll flow right into when I met you. Yeah. I, I just remember I kept seeing you. You had that same hustle that we were on. You're there super early. You're right there in your desk, but right outside of our our office. So, you know, tapped you on the shoulder. I felt like you sh- shared that same culture, that mindset, that hunger. Um, you know, and I learned a little bit about Grin. Um, and yeah, I guess I forgot when the first time we hung out. I, I think I showed you around the office, and then we met out. You know, yeah, here in Scottsdale. So, yeah, it's it's wild because it's I, it was just that repetition of. Like, I think guys in general, when you see another guy that you're like, oh, he seems kind of cool. Yeah. And you kind of pass by day after day. It's like when I remember in college, when I would pass by the same dude and just kind of be like, yeah. what's up? What's up? And then finally, it'd be like, hey, what's your name, bro? Like, it's, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's it, it seems like you hang around here. What do you do? And then you start to develop a friendship. I work remotely for Grin. And so I showed up right outside the Verkata office in the WeWork because there was a desk that I was able to sit at that I was kind of like my own little office. And I just saw you guys just having so much fun in the office energy. And even though I wasn't a part of it, I was watching and like studying like, okay, this is the Verkata Mm -hmm. culture. These guys hustle it's high energy. Mm -hmm. It's, it seemed fun. And, And I think sometimes as a remote worker, I I wish maybe I could have that just sometimes, right? Like yeah. just to have that high office energy. Um, but then, yeah, Javier and I figured out like, you know, I've been, I'm in software sales. I'm an account executive. He's inside sales director. And then we've kind of just been in Scottsdale. It's allowed us to continue our friendship and build on that and, mm-hmm. you know, meet outside of outside of work. As he mentioned, go out in Old Town or <laughs> yeah. hit, hit, go out to golf or whatever. It's um it's 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 cool to be able to build that relationship and like shout out we work and that's why i always tell remote reps like i think it's important to be able to go to a co-working space mm-hmm. and just be around other people i don't think anything good will come out of just sitting in your room all day mm-hmm. i think we work you know i mean look i'm not a you know, I don't get paid for this yeah, right no one but i paid. think you know thinking about it my history with we work goes back um, you know, to London 2019. Um, and I can give you some context. I, I opened up Ricotta's headquarter out there in 2019. We opened up a WeWork 
It's the first time I actually saw what a WeWork was all in about. In London? In London. That's sick. So some context behind that. Look, when I moved from Samsar to Verkata, um, Ryan Young, Brian Bancourt, like savages, those guys at Verkata know what they're doing. Um, you know, again, I think, you know, they tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, look, you came in three quarters, you crushed it. What do you think about going out in the UK and opening up our office? I said, hell yeah, you know, let's go. Um, we got three others uh, on board, Joe Hess, you know, BTC, uh, who, who, you know, I feel like the world should know who that guy is. Crazy, ex-Octa, Ricotta. We went out there and tore it up. Uh, and Brendan Kresser. So we go out there. WeWork was awesome. You get to, at that point in time, you, we met so many people. People wow. are asking, hey, what do you guys do? Um, my world opened up a little bit. I mean, I was like, man, there's so much more than just two companies that I worked for, Samsung and Verkata. I'm like, man, so many people are doing some cool stuff. I think WeWork actually has a niche that I don't know if they've really, they're not really branding towards this. And I mean, shoot, I'd love to be able to work with whoever the uh, strategic, you know, operation or the visionary person on what they're building. Kind of talk about like the sales house how much revenue and sales are being produced. And like now that companies are going remote, mm-hmm. I feel like WeWork is this place to, hey, for remote work. But I feel like they should start throwing in a little bit of sales stuff where salespeople start to realize the value of it being in that like mm. sales room, right? Okay. You know, so like you got a sales floor, typically people think of like it's a, like a bullpen. It's a single, when you think of sales floor, you think singular, like, hey, it's one company. But like there should be these, we work offices that they start branding as like sales house. Oh, wow. So, I mean, shoot, you know, I don't have the capital or the, uh, I don't think the resources right now to do something like that, but I'd love to partner with WeWork on, they have a lot of vacancy open offices they consistently. Do. Yep. But, you know, hey, you know, I hope the CEO of C- uh, WeWork or somebody is able to catch on to this where it's like, they start to allocate certain empty rooms and call it the sales house. So basically, it's a very, within the WeWork, it's a dedicated area where it's straight sales. Uh-huh. People on cold calls and you're working, the, the people that are doing the same thing. I think that would be so much, like, there's so much value out of that. I don't think so they have to change value. too much, but you got the salespeople all scattered throughout this community floor, which is great, you know, but I think, you know, having some sort of sales house where now businesses can take membership in the sales house, not really so focused on WeWork, right. but there's sales house. Now that's starting to make a little bit of sense. As a sales leader, I'm happy. I'd, I'd invest in something like that Me as too. we open up remote locations to you know help with our recruiting. That'd be awesome. you know. And so I don't know what your thoughts are on that. No, I, I love I'm it. sure you can kind of see what I'm it. talking about because I yeah. think even you working out there in the community area, as I see you, would probably sit in that sales house. I'd prefer to. You know to. what I mean? I'd prefer to because when I'm out there in the community area and I make cold calls, some people will kind of give me some dirty looks because it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's loud. It's, hey, you know, my, this is Will. I call it the absolute worst time. And they, you know, sometimes they'll hear me getting hanged up and they'll yeah. kind of make some, some side glances because they're not in sales. Mm-hmm. They're engineers at WeWork, which is fine. But if I was around a bunch of other sales reps, and you know this from being in office at Vercott yeah. and Red Panda, I come from this huge sales environment with logistics companies, staffing, where I was on this main floor with hundreds of reps just hitting the phones, going crazy, high energy. Uh But what was cool about that was like, let's say I did get hung up on. 
you got your teammate right next to you or you know you got someone else in sales who says oh rough one they kind of yeah, make yeah, a little yeah. joke yeah. and then you say oh yeah it was you know i said this and they say well how about you try this in the next one and then mm-hmm. it's a competition yeah. of just being around other people so if there was a dedicated room to say hey sales professionals at we work come in here feel free to connect with each other obviously mm-hmm. this is not branded as like a certain company but yeah. just people who want to be in the sales room at we work come one come all yeah <laughs> and i i agree i think uh that would be an interesting and i know we're kind of going on a tangent here but i think that's just the way we work yeah we can see it that would be interesting if we work was to come up with something like that you yeah. know i think you know the sales house i think some a company would be more inclined you know, to invest in that within the WeWork, you know, versus saying, hey, we're just getting WeWork passes. You know? Right, right. So they know that, hey, they're going to go surround themselves by the energy we need to. Um, so, no, that's that. I think, you know, on that note of just remote work and stuff like that, you know, I, I think just talking through when I left Ricotta, you know, and what the vision was there, right? You know, right. it was to, I mean, I saw the value out of um, remote work. Um, where the world's going, I think I Ryan Serhant. I went to go Love like him. I uh, I saw him speak in New York. I forget what it was called, but you know I listened to him talk and he's talking about like the sixty percent of the the, the workforce is going to be like independent contractors really? in uh, by twenty twenty six or twenty twenty seven. He's bullish on that, and I I at that point in time I had already left Ricotta to you know onboard Glenn Coco as a third co-founder. Um, shout out to Inguan and Jason. They were, you know, early on at Vercata working on the demand gen sales operation side. And then I think uh, Jason was working on our guest management software and product at Vercata, one of the lead engineers. And, um, you know, they broke off. They were working on Glenn Coco for about four months. And then Inguan tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, hey, look, we want to create the next Uber of sales. Right. You know, this is uh, uh, going to be the, the future of the way people work, the way sales works. And, you know, it took at that point in time, I just went out to Scottsdale and I was like seven months into opening up this office. And man, that was the toughest decision of my life, man. You know, if I can go back, I would I would have vetted out a little bit more on mm. just what my role was going to be at Glen Coco. I think I could have managed both a little bit in terms of being more like of a, an advisor consultant versus leaving Vercata. <laughs> but hey, I, I think um, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at now, actually. So I'm very happy on where I'm at. Uh, get to work alongside, you know, legend Clint Nelson, uh, yeah. our CRO. But you know, anyways, when, when we went to go open up Glen Coco, um, the vision was is how could we support all those I mean, all the business development, you know, talent out there in the world, there's millions of people that have that cold calling skill that are these, I mean, I learned so much about the industry, all these 1099 workers that are insurance sales, um, selling, um, you know, life insurance and solar sales and, you know, people in college that are looking and inspired to break into sales. There's so many people that are able to get on the phone that businesses really are not tapping into. Mm-hmm. And so we said, well, let's create the Uber sales and, you know, make a marketplace where they can easily go and find businesses that can utilize, you know, some additional uh, introduction meetings. I, I Before I get into just like what Glen Coco is and, you know, some of the details, um, 
I mean, I'm sure you've heard about Glenn Coco. I'm, I'm, oh, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's kind of continu- continually get brought up with some of these. Uh, Sharif brought up Glenn Coco. Yeah. He loves them. Yeah. He tells his followers to if they're looking for some SDR experience for their resume, try Glenn Coco first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So It's a great opportunity for people to get on the phone. I mean, just even like narrowing and focusing on um, – just, I mean, starting with college, you know, juniors and seniors that are, that know they're going to break into sales. Right. It's a great platform where it's like you have these tenured sales reps that, you know, have a difficult time of interviewing for these companies and getting onboarded into these companies. These guys can go to Glen Coco and start to call on those companies' leads yeah. because, ne- because the company's on the platform. So they're working for the same companies that some of these prestigious sales reps, you know, and these really high-performing sales reps are working for. So they're, like, on that same playing field. True. That experience for a junior and senior, if I knew that exists when I was in college, I'd be on that platform calling away. Same here. You know, I, I mean, hey, look, you go make 300 400 a week, you know, just setting introductory meetings. All these companies are doing is saying, hey, we're going to upload our contacts that have not been touched people that get certified onto the platform can call. And if you're able to book an introductory meeting, you know, for my AE that is qualified, um, we'll pay you, you know, Glen Coco will pay you, you know, 130, 150, 200 bucks a pop, right? Yeah. That adds up. It's a steal for the company too, because they don't have to pay for health insurance. They don't have to hire them as a full-time employee. Talking about the math behind that, you know, typically business to business, Enterprise companies are average contract size around 15, 22, 30 sure. grand. Yeah. You know, you're paying about 5,000, 6,000 on average. I think we took all the data uh, for a qualified meeting. That's not closed business. So typically people have a, a 10% close rate, right? Let's just say. So that means you would need 10 qualified meetings for every closed one business yeah. at $40,000 for an average sales cycle or an average deal size. You're talking about spending, let's just say, forty thousand dollars for about forty thousand dollars, right? So you're kind of breaking even there. Well, you're saying that the company is now able to go to the marketplace, get some top talent because they had to get certified to be on that marketplace, like driving, you know, a good car on Uber, right? Right. You got to get certified. It's drivable. You can get A to B um, or A to Z, whatever you want to call it, and. Um, you're saying I the company will now pay Glen Coco six hundred dollars, seven hundred dollars, a thousand instead of five thousand. So you turn around on a ten percent rate. Now you're paying, let's just say a thousand times ten. That's ten thousand dollars for forty thousand dollars. I mean, dude, there's some value, and I think companies do need to take that a little bit more serious because if the so. world is shifting to this towards this worker. model, you got to figure out how to be more efficient, do more with less. I mean, especially in these times. I mean, um, I think Glen Coco is at the intersection of like, you know, hopefully they can really figure it out because um, they don't have a big team. Um, I think it, it really is, uh, you know, it's going to be big for people like you and some of these influencers in this business development space to say, holy crap, this actually does make sense. Right. There's a lot of lead gen services out there, but there's a lot of intricate things about how they set their payment model up that is not set up like Glen Coco is. It's more on pure performance. Nobody pays or gets paid unless there is a qualified meeting. Mm-hmm. If there's no qualified meeting, 
you know, the caller doesn't get paid, the business doesn't have to get paid or pay, right. you know, for that activity. So you're essentially getting really good activity out there on the market for free. And you're going to pay only when qualification is, you know, on your table. It's the so, best. It's a yeah. win-win because then uh, a a remote worker could be, you know, as you said, in college, they could be down on spring break or something or at the University of Missouri, like I went in their dorm room and they're just like, hey, you know what? My dad's in sales and I know I want to be in sales. So let me get some experience. And I'd rather make cold calls from my dorm room or my apartment, whatever, than go work at a restaurant as a server or something that's not going to Mm -hmm. serve you when you're trying to actually apply for a sales job. So I agree. I think it's fantastic. You can create so many use cases on this. I mean, think about it. The the owner of this podcast studio right now, like, let's just say, you know, I need a business development person, you know, at three, four thousand dollars a month to come in and cold call. Well, you can make a valid case and say, hey, look, actually, I have a lead. I just bought leads. You know, I purchased all these leads for about a thousand dollars. I'm going to upload those leads to Glen Coco and have them call and only pay for when, you know, one of those qualification meets my threshold. So now it's a quick way for this, you know, the owner to go to market while having to go through the hire process of getting somebody on full time. Right. Right. You know, so there's so many different use cases. Right. And there's but, a lot of there's a lot of benefits to having someone in-house, you know, a dedicated BDR in-house because they really understand your mission. They understand you. You're able to connect to them in person. But I think for people who are looking to remain lean, as you said, uh-huh. especially in today's today's time, looking to remain lean and only pay for when something's actually uh-huh. qualified, that could be a good option. Yeah. And I'm not sitting here saying, hey, you know, it's Glenn Cook or none. Actually, right. there's you know, you need AEs, right? You need a path to promotion. You need culture. So not saying knocking the ADR, BDR, internal SDR, you you can have those, right? You know, but, you know, everybody heard of AB testing, right? You know, you should AB test. You should put Glen Coco on a certain campaign, a certain region, a new initiative, a new market, right? You know, and so they don't have to tackle the same thing that your internal ADRs are tack- uh, tackling, you know what I mean? Mm. So there is some risk to, you know, I, I think brand reputation, you want to be sure it's like, hey, I don't have all these callers that are just like headhunters and are willing to risk, you know, like having a bad customer prospect interaction at all costs. Like you don't want that, right? So Glen Coco has some things to work through and mitigate, you know, lower the risk and, you know, putting the customer at ease that, hey, I don't have a whole bunch of people just like cramming one prospect and ruining, you know, brand reputation's big. So it is. You don't, you don't want that. Um, but man, such a great opportunity out there. I mean, you know, uh, I'm excited to see what they accomplish, you know, and again, I think, yeah, definitely it's totally reasonable to, I, I think, you know, have them build some kind of marketing affiliate program, you know, where, even in this podcast, I don't know how you're going to set this thing up, but even including a link, just say for people that are interested, you know, go to Glen Coco to sign up. I mean, sure. Because I, I, I can guarantee it, people listening to your podcast will probably walk away and be like, okay, let's see well, what I, this is all about. I told them, I told, I, Sharif looped me in with one of the guys at Glen Coco because mm-hmm. Sharif's on a, a payment play where they're paying him to post and they're also giving mm-hmm. him affiliate sales when they do sign up. Mm-hmm. And Sharif's like, hey, this is my friend Will. The, Guy Glen Coco never responded, hmm. but to be fair, I only sent one reply, so it's not like I'm really hounding him. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I've am i got so much going on where it's like the way I operate with brands or companies who want to work with me as a creator, you got to you gotta come to me because I got a W-2 job at yeah. Grin that is extremely time-consuming. It's priority, too. It's priority. Because I, I think, yeah, like, some people are like brand – 
is key. Yeah. You know, but don't be one of these influencers that are out there with minimal experience trying to claim that they're this it's, like it's expert. Bizarre. Like I can see the value of this personal brand thing and I want to build it up and create that, but you know, I'm not jeopardizing my, you know, track record as well. You know, you got to have some stuff to talk about. Having one good gear and W2ing, you know, 600 grand because you were in a sales job that had the wheels turning. I mean, as long as you can speak English, you're going to make that almost. Right. It's set up for you. So go get some real experience. Go get promotions, right? You know, and go take on some additional responsibility and figure out how to juggle both at the same time, you know, versus going all in, you know, in one direction before you really establish yourself as a true sales professional. For sure. You you can make a case. I mean, in the sales world, I feel like it's the same thing as playing a sport. It is. I guess, how can I say it? I guess you have a lot of really good coaches that, you know, didn't play professional sports and are training people i can you can make that case but i tell you what a lot of them played college yes they have some kind of true experience the best coaches are trainers like they had a 10-year career they had a 15-year career they had some good substance you know and so i just would warn everybody just like hey look this personal brand thing is great right you know but you go accomplish some stuff you, you know what I mean? And you, I hope people hear that. I, I think this yeah. is so this is so not talked about enough. Yeah. And I think as a personal brand, it's important to not get on there. Man, I, was, I forgot what I was going to say because it was like so money. Because it was like exactly what you were saying. I had like a perfect point. I was like, oh, dude, what about this? But I think for, for what I'm thinking about right now is saying you have a lot of these, you know, in, oh, I knew what I was going to say. Is what I was gonna say. You mentioned sports. Yeah, sports and sales are somewhat synonymous, right? It's Mm -hmm. you have in sports, you either win a game, you either you know win win have a positive record for the season. So we're talking above you know seven hundred, eight hundred. You're you're above seventy, eighty percent for the year. If you're a football team, you went twelve and two or whatever the freaking thing is. I don't know. I'm not that into football. But the thing is, is that in sales you have the same thing. You have twelve months in a year. You have your quota every month, your quota every quarter, and if you mess up, you're gone. Just like in your, um, if you're a QB, you, you go two and two and ten for this year, you're you're out. You're you're you cannot perform. And what I would say that is interesting with these LinkedIn influencers is like they like to compare it to sports, but sports, everyone sees their numbers. Mm-hmm. Everyone sees their numbers. It's all visible. And so when a QB gets up there and he's talking about, yeah, I threw for four touchdowns today. We had a great win. But then when these LinkedIn influencers post about, mm-hmm. I close an $80,000 deal. I'm a beast. I hit 400% to quota. That's actually, that isn't visible to everyone. They mm-hmm. could be making these numbers up. Mm-hmm. So I I never, if, if you ever look at any of my content, I never talk about, I closed this deal. I closed that. Oh, look at me. I went this much to quota. Mm-hmm. I've never made a post about that. Now, on my actual um, LinkedIn, in terms of like what I've accomplished, I write my quota, mm-hmm. but I never That's make good. I never make posts about, hey man, I smashed quota two hundred eighty seven percent. I closed three hundred thousand dollar. Look at me. And a lot of these influencers are doing a lot of these posts, and it's like, how yeah. much of it is true? I'm not claiming that it's not true. I, I think a lot of it is true. 
But tying this back to like maybe the value out of leaving Verkata when I did, I'm like, you know what? Maybe it was a good thing because I realized how good I'm not. Mm. You know, and you I hope that makes that, sense. Dude. It really made me realize how good I'm not. Can you tell them and about the interview? How hard it was for you to get? You're like you four years of experience. Well, yeah. yeah, there's four years of experience. Great, good tenure. So much accomplished. I mean, I did things that people. I honestly, even I, I'd be happy to see what sales leader within the last 15 years did what I did. You know, regardless of the title, on 2009 or hey, leaving Samsara in 2018 on its way up, you know, losing a lot of equity on the table there at this really cool company, gambling going to Verkata because, you know, I heard really good things about this guy, Hans Robertson, um, who I hope I get to, you know, meet next time when I'm back in the Bay Area, I meet up with. Um, Guy's a savage, love him. Um, Randomly juggling that. So leaving Samsara, going to Verkata, getting the opportunity to go to uh, London, you know, right in the middle of COVID to go like open up a new office out there for two years, come back to San Mateo, you know, and worked out of uh, Verkata's headquarter for, you know, about nine, nine months, then opened up an office out in Scottsdale wow. and then left, you know, after seven months to co-found, you know, uh, Glenn Coco and then back in the game. I mean, my life has been in like one big vortex and like there's so much learning that has gone on. I guess that is probably the best thing that's happened to me because again, going back to not being as good as I thought I was, it's all about being an impact player. You can, you can make a great career being a system quarterback and kind of sit within the model and make some good money. I believe a lot of these LinkedIn influencers have really good things to share. I love sure. everything that they're that they're shared and I actually want to learn from them, you know, and these guys are a lot girls are a lot younger than me. Um, because I do think they see the value out of a personal brand. I can bring a lot of, you know, good experience from the corporate side and uh, sales leadership side and, you know, having some good tenure there. Um, I want to bridge that gap a little bit, making sure everybody does actually fulfill a lot of that stuff um, and, and are able to accomplish stuff on the actual sales floor mm. before going all in on the, the influencer podcast. That's true. Like, and, and again, I, I could be rambling, but I'm just expressing the fact that, look, I'm super bullish on that. But I do think that, you know, going back and, and digging in and, and learning and accomplishing stuff in an actual role is key. Yeah. You know, Um but I mean, there's so, there's so much to talk about, dude. There's I, so it, much. It kind of gets me. We got we got about five yeah five minutes. Um, we're looking at the clock here. We both have some meetings to get to. But I I um I have a question for you specifically. But I want to before I say that I say I just want to let everyone know. I think there's huge value in the personal brand. Um, it's it's going to be something that is going to carry you as far as like people are going to know you as far as mm-hmm. what your reputation is. In in this world, it's who you know. Uh, it's relationships and content and having a good personal brand allows you to create relationships much faster. Um, but if you're thinking about creating a personal brand, this is my advice. What I did at the beginning when I started posting TikToks about two and a half years ago was actually just telling them about my process. It wasn't talking about being an expert. It was saying, hey, I'm an SDR right now. Does anyone know what the heck is going on? Because here's what I'm doing. I'm sending 50 emails, I'm using this subject line, it's working well, just wanted to share it with you guys. And I just talked about the journey and I talk about, man, I misquoted today or I misquoted this month. Well, I think it was because I wasn't prospecting enough. So it was 
almost just like a vlog type series I did on TikTok, and mm-hmm. that's kind of how I blew up, was people started following, oh, this guy's authentic. He's not trying to be some polished expert. He actually just wants to share what he's up to day to day. And then every other SDR who watches my TikTok was like, wow, I'm not alone. I'm working remote and this guy's mm-hmm. going through the same thing. And then you build that relationship and I graduate to an AE and now AEs are like, dude, I love that. I had the same thing with a client. Dude, that helped me. I used that talk track. And so I just share, and that's why I think I told you that before. I love having my W-2 job at Grin because mm-hmm. it get, I, I'm actually getting real life experiences to then share online of, hey, this happened today. Yeah. If I was a full-time content creator, I wouldn't have actual relatable events that happen mm-hmm. that other sellers are going through on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I wanted to just ask you a question. Yeah. I think as we wrap, I think a lot of people would love to know this. A little bit personal here, but how do you know when it's time to leave? Because you've left several places and you made some, you know, as you said, some some of these moves that mm-hmm. in outside perspective are like, wow, that's a, that's a risky jump. But how do you, how do you know internally when it's time to leave? Man, I mean, that's a deep question. I think, look, everybody's different. Everybody's different. Um, I can give you two answers because of what I learned. You'll know when, honestly, it's easy. You'll know when you know, right? You know, but if I can give advice, is making sure that you have and built a network of people that you can go run things by. Because if I can go back and look at my career, I'm in great standing, I'm happy, I'm accomplishing stuff, you know, and I have room for growth and I've set myself up to continue to grow, thankfully because of my network, right? You know, I'm at Red Panda because I kept a really good relationship with Clint Nelson, who was you know, at XMSR, it was going three, three jobs ago. Wow. But I wouldn't have left, I think, Ricotta a great opportunity. I had a lot more to accomplish if I was running it by a few people. So you know when you know, and nobody's going to mess with that. Um, everybody has that intuition, you know, and don't play around with that because that's right. I would just say work on building your network and having your peers, people that you could bounce stuff off because that can help you see things that you don't see. Although I knew that I had this entrepreneurial itch and I knew that I'm going to do it one day, was it the best for me at that very time at Ricotta? I would say no. Hey, I know you feel this way, but actually, if I was thinking about a certain way, and I think if I like actually expressed that to some of my leadership at Ricotta, you know, went to the top and expressed that, I think they would actually, you know, obviously selfishly wanted to keep me. Of course. But... I would have been able to see a bigger vision and probably kept me there and said, holy crap, I, I mean, I can be a CRO here one day. Mm. I really think I could have, you know, if I actually stay there. I know I could have. Wow. I mean, it's not over, I think. But, like, I hope that makes sense. It does. Trust your gut. Nobody knows but you. But making sure that you have that network and be able to bounce stuff off. And that goes with every part of life. Um, great transition, um, you know, with this whole personal brand thing. I've learned that, you know, hitting quota is more than just a number, right? You know, and I truly feel that way. I'm a sports guy. I bring it every single day. 
that's what makes me a good sales leader, right? I have a lot more to go on the education side and being able to like properly lead and scale out operationally. But when you ask for somebody to bring it every single day, I put my stirrups and cleats on every day and the whole team can see that and they want to run through a wall with me. Yeah. And I just realized that over time that this whole hitting quota thing is a lot more than just a number. And I started to embrace that and say it a little bit more and just making sure that people understand that, look, you know, this whole networking thing, this personal brand thing, the sales floor performance, there's all of these boxes that people have that they need to check off personally, professionally, culturally, family, like hitting quota as a sales rep needs to be embraced a little bit and expanded on, you know, the rep needs to actually go figure out how many quotas they have. Cause it's not just that revenue number you got, you got like 10 boxes you got to check off monthly, quarterly, whatever it is. So, um, little plug here for, you know, my, myself is just, I was inspired by you to this whole personal brand. I'm going to be launching hitting quota, which kind of bridges the gap between, you know, sports and sales, um, you know, embracing that mentality, you know, the holistic, the human being aspect of a sales professional. LeBron is the best sales player, you know, whatever this is a controversy, but he's the best guy on the court. Right now, yeah. But, you know, and so are all these other people. But you notice that they're not only performing on the court, the charities, the the giving back, the companies, the the housing, the schools, the things that they're doing off the court. So this hitting quota is really embracing on and off the sales floor. What hitting quota truly means is being, mm-hmm. you know, a person in the community, um, you know, a good human being for, you know, all of the above. So it's an exciting community that, you know, that I'm building right here in Scottsdale, complimenting and, you know, right alongside, you know, of everything you're doing here in Scottsdale. And I think ending this off and talking about, I think this is a place to be, you know. Scottsdale, you know. Scottsdale's the place, and uh, congrats on creating a hidden quota, bro. I think that you have a lot of potential to do something great with your personal brand. Mm -hmm. You've asked me questions over the last, like, year and a half of, like, hey, like, how do you manage that? And I I think I've always given you the confidence that you can totally do this. You have, again, I talked about how I have my grin to tell stories. You have Red Panda to tell stories. You have Ricotta to tell stories. And I I challenge you to say maybe – you know, once in a while you think you post about, hey, I remember my time at Fercata and we did this. These are mm-hmm. some challenges that I learned that I would share with a you know, new inside sales director, mm-hmm. someone who wants to be a director, just because you have experience, yeah. you have you have the knowledge. You're not fresh out of college trying to be a yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. LinkedIn influencer. You have you have this experience. So I I want you to share it. And Scottsdale's place to be guys, if you're in the Scottsdale market, a lot of top tech talent here. If you're a company listening to this, there's a lot of great people here, a lot of energy. We got the sunshine, so we got a bunch of stuff. <laughs> we got. I it. just saw this post saying, it, "Yeah, Scottsdale was uh, it got ranked number one for jobs in the U.S. right now." So I need to see that. All of the above, yeah, sun, the whole thing. You know, good weather, good people, good looking people out here. You that's know right. what I mean? So I mean, that, <laughs> that's huge. I mean, that's important, right? You know, I think so, and you know, I think opportunity is great. Um, I'm super excited to see what you accomplish here with this, you know, this uh, podcast and the company and everything that you're building. And I think, um, you know, as a partnership, I I think, yeah, we just continue to, you know, promote Scottsdale because, you know, we want to build a good community and area where you and I can thrive and everybody can thrive, you know, and I think this is a great place for a sales rep to live and, you know, work. That's right. That's right. All right. Cool, guys. Well, to wrap, Javier, where can people find you? How they can, how can they connect with you? Yeah, I think right now um, it's going to be LinkedIn. Yeah, reach out on LinkedIn. 
Um, I think that's the best place to start. I, I think, um, you know, I'm going to be looking for, you know, some people to be like early pioneers of like being a part of the community, get it into that slack that I, you know, had created. And I think you're the only one in there right now to test it out. Um, but, you know, I think it'd be a great place to bring a handful of 10 and then round table on, you know, what they see and how they can contribute to hitting quota, you know, in their, in their regions. Perfect. So, Perfect. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, guys. This is an awesome chat with Javier. Um, you know where to follow him. I'll link all his stuff in the description of the Spotify and Apple Music podcast. Thank you for listening. This was a fun one. A lot of good insight here and how to just learn from Javier, learn from his experience. We're telling stories. People love stories. I think if you're a sales rep, you heard Javier's story. When you're talking to your customers, tell your story. Customers love stories because it's relatable. It's an analogy. It's like... Um, I remember I was uh, listening to Steve Jobs' uh, speech when he released the iPhone. He gave all these analogies that led you to the point of, this is why we created the iPhone, and it was relatable to the customer. So thanks for listening, and have a great rest of your day. Let's go.